Hey guys, back again. Welcome to the Hurt Circus. This is your host, Nicholas Ridiculous. Just wanted to start this episode off by, oh, changing the tempo. Maybe just um, talk about what podcasts I've been listening to lately. Maybe what's been interesting me because there's been some decent content out there. Like um, the podcast this past weekend by comedian Theo Vaughn. It's a really great podcast. It's got great times, but it also just gets into some real serious shit when he has guests sometimes you know they can range from other comedians to some really serious ass people and he just really he's someone who because he gets really deep sometimes with his own about his own shit and all that you know how he's feeling in the world and how he's felt in in life and all that and uh he's just said things that have literally just like full-on described how i felt or feel like to a T, it's like the strangest, the strange, like, there's an episode just recently from, like, the first week of February, and he was just talking about how, like, sometimes life, life's just rough when you're young, and that just makes you bitter, and it just turns you into this, just makes you sour, and kind of makes you say fuck you to the world in, in some weird rebellious way of just, like, you know, standing your ground and just saying, I'm put me through all this shit and now this like i don't want to be a part of like it's a weird i mean if you if you felt it you get it you know what i mean if you, something like that but um yeah this past weekend but theo vaughn he also just started a second podcast the king and the sting yeah the king and the sting with brandon schaub's brandon sheeb's budo schaub but uh yeah it's just them just dissing on each other and then dissing on other people it's just a fun good time yeah i just really enjoy just it's a good balance of you know it gets really deep then it also can just cut it with some just hilarious humor and this next one is just like this is like a story of a story i guess like a friend of a friend of a friend of mine told me this story i was listening to it was this american life it was the uh war stories episode from i think the same week first week of february and um yeah they were telling the story of um the the podcast called dopey with Chris and Dave, and it was just like, man, because when I first, because when I first thought of doing podcasts, like The Hurt Circus, I had like three in mind, The Hurt Circus, then we were, I was going to do real shit with a couple buddies just about movies, and each episode we'd hit up a certain franchise or something like that, and then I wanted to do a drug-based podcast just on like drug stories and ventures and just kind of edited and chopped together in a cool way. But uh, that's basically what those guys did. They were, but they did it for a different reason because they, Chris and Dave are in recovery, so they're sober, but they would just talk about all the crazy, dirty shit they did and talk with other people and stuff. And basically the story jumps around to this guy, and uh, he would call into the show all the time. He was their friend, their buddy, and he was, uh, he was a junkie and he was like, he'd always call and he was high and stuff like that. They would always tell him that if he ever got sober and stuff, that he could be the third host and, you know, join the show. And then, um, basically, one thing leads to another. The guy, I guess, ODs and dies, and it's just, like, it's just, like, heavy, you know? Give a lot more weight to the show. And the show goes on, and, um, they're just not handling it well, I guess. Like, the one guy whose buddy it was, he just never lost anyone to addiction or anything like that. So it hit him hard, and, uh, his partner started acting weird, and his other, his co-host... He OD'd, like, a month or two later as well. And it's, like, it's fucking, it's fucking heavy shit. But, um, 
he kept he, he he's still doing the show the, sh- the show's still going they get lots of good guests who just kind of tell stories so you know go go out there give them a subscribe and just check them out see what's up because the show's just got a lot of momentum with it now i feel like just because i mean this american life does story on them so that's pretty big but also it's just like that's a lot of weight and meaning to carry like you can't end a show after all that you gotta just keep it going and the last one I'll bring up is, um, it's called Broken Hearts. That's hearts with the, just an A. And, uh, yeah, it's just, especially for the kind of content we speak about, we sp- it pertains to the content we speak about here at the Hurt Circus. And, uh, yeah, it's just about how these, these two women adopt, these two white women adopted, like, I think it was like th- three, three black kids and then another three black kids so it's about how these there's a story about how this family was found at the bottom of a cliff just like in their van burned up just destroyed and is how these these two this married couple these two women uh these two white women them caucasians they adopted three african-american kids and then i guess it went so well that child welfare services or you know child welfare agencies or social services or whatever it was like they were so transracially positive that they allowed them to adopt another three kids. And these women, the one wife worked a lot most of the time, and the other one, basically, she had a social media presence. And this whole investigation podcast basically just works to untangle all of these truths and lies that were going on in the life of these people because it was just all complete bullshit. And they were... They were completely overlooked by all authority figures in regards to their status of adopting and just taking in children and all that because it was all a facade that was perpetrated and created by the one the one wife, the main wife who just made all the calls and wore the pants basically. She had this whole fabricated life that was on Facebook and she would just doctor all these photos and um, produce all these images about their life and how they were living when in reality they weren't living like that at all. Like there's there was an incident where one of the young one of the young ladies that they had had jumped out of their second story window and ran to their neighbors in the middle of the night asking if they had some food for them that they could have and just like everyone no one knew that was the crazy part everyone thought that they were the the good parents and all this stuff always going to like these crazy um like love marches and unification festivals and stuff like that and they would just portray this tribe-like mentality and just image to all bystanders and onlookers and yeah it just got it's you know it's not not the easiest stuff to listen to because you know the ending right off the bat but it's like it's crazy interesting and crazy intriguing and just like the depths of lies and deception and just how unchecked they went for so long just bouncing around just like right under the nose of all these these agencies that are supposed to be protecting these kids when in, in fact some of the kids were chosen to be put in this with this family over their actual families like aunts and uncles and stuff like that and it's just like it's a goddamn tragedy like that's that's like a worst case scenario kind of deal you know it's like it's crazy because it's uh some tragic echoes you know 
Sometimes it's just crazy how these systems that we're supposed to trust can just fail so much. I understand I was in America, but it's the worst case scenario anywhere, you know? It's like, that's scary. For the whole story, there's lots of episodes. I'm pretty sure the whole show might be out by now, but yeah, check it out. It's Broken Hearts. B-R-O-K-E-N-H-A-R-T-S. Check that out. And I guess that's just what leads me into this episode where it's just like, sometimes the system fails, you know? And like... What is doing good things to look good to the world actually doing for anyone? Doing good things to look good to the world. <laughs> people want to feel good, so they use other people's experiences and force their ideals of a good life onto these deemed less fortunate. Because saving them will make them feel like a good person. Saving people from situations they have no experience in or understanding of, and yet their we-know-best policy is just to be taken and accepted. Without question. But no, they do not want questions. They just want to do what in their minds is right. But again, I say, the intentions of these fluffy rainbow fuckheads does not add up to the realities of the lives they disrupt. As long as the surface seems calm and the checks keep rolling in, business as usual. We live, we live in the age of the masquerade where it is more important to be viewed as a good person or someone who does good, no matter how ignorant they may be or how staged and full of shit their public lives are. People do things to feel good, but fuck it if they are going to stick around to feel the full emotional impact of a situation. They disrupt lives and shatter families, then get to go home to their lives, get paid, eat good, and be happy with their family. A family funded by the ashes of lesser-off families that don't even exist when they are done with them. The podcast Broken Hearts is the perfect and tragically horrifying example of these traits and practices to an extreme it tells a story of how six children were found dead at the bottom of a cliff in their family vehicle with their adopted moms takes a close hard look at their lives and begins to untangle this huge web of lies falsehoods and life staging for social media all in attempts that were quite successful to hide the abusive way in which they were treating their adoptive children. Without taking away from their podcast, I highly recommend checking it out. But basically, the whole tragedy could have been avoided quite simply. They had neighbors who obviously reported to the, to the child welfare services, but their facade and mass life online and to the public was so good, these agencies and services never really took the complaints too seriously. They even held these two women in high regard in terms of transracial fostering and adopted families. It's like you can't fucking write this shit because who the fuck would want to? So seven people were found dead, five of their kids and the two wives, and the eldest son's body has yet to be discovered. If you want the full, very well-investigated story, check out Broken Hearts. It's good, but it fucks you up. I used to have high hopes. Now I just got high in hope. They got me to build this facade around me, but by their instruction. Taught a baby to crawl, then laughed and called him stupid for not knowing how to ride a bike or run. And having no human understanding as to why they seemed so hindered. You took me broken and broke me more. Then told me that it's my fault for not being fixed. Then you follow the blame chain and it just loops. You, her, them, you, her, them. It's funny because the things you were expected to choose compared to the things you were told... They had it all backwards. I didn't have any idea what I wanted to do because I never really was informed what I could do, but then told how and where I was to live my life. 
Does that make sense? I was never told, like, you can be an actor or an animator or a dancer or a singer or a director or a teacher. It was more hollowed of an asking because they were asking a child with no gauge of reference on what they even meant. The handing out of choice and commands was and is quite confusing. I guess at six, I should have just known, huh? That is something people often forget. Just tell kids they can. Because you spend a lot of time, especially when you're growing up or trying to grow up or just being or living in a home that's not yours or you don't know or you're new to, you just get told no a lot. So you kind of get used to this. So you just get used to just, you just get used to not being included, I guess. And it's strange. Strange, strange, strange. Strange. It's weird. I remember being plucked into that small town when we got to that foster home and really having to rebuild myself. And it was sucked because there was nothing really to rebuild myself with. It was just like this small ass fucking town. Bullshit. Like, the only thing that really helped me was fucking my uncle burned me this CD from a Discman. It was just like all these like crazy new hip hop albums back in like, fuck, 2005 maybe. And... I just remember there was so little in this small town. It was like, so basically, it was just so shitty. You had to get friends, right? And you just had to make fun. You had to make your own fun because there was no fucking fun anywhere. I mean, it was a country, so it was nice. But fuck, hit that shit in the winter, boy. You'd be regret, regret, regret. I remember it, that's what it was, because especially, like, foster home I was in sucked. The people were, like, in their 50s. Not, like, young 50-year-olds, like, old 50-year-olds. Fucking retired. The only way they could fucking afford their house was with foster kids. And, like, the only way they could fucking eat. Kind of fucked. I was like, like, it should be a really hard vetting process. Even genetically. People who have always wanted kids but never got their own, you know? That kind of shit. Because just old people who just, like... Are retired their kids are older and they just need money it's like fuck fuck off with that shit sorry y'all but if y'all hear this but you know i'm bitter i'm bitter but you know got fucking reasons you know let me hit it with this uh hit it with a hit it with a t.o.t this one time so after i was at this foster home for a while over time my youngest brother came brandon shouts out to you brandon fucking love you kid fucking proud of you dude and uh he's like Eight years younger than me, so we were kind of in, in different realms. And I've, I've beat myself a lot. And I've beat myself up a lot just for how how I wasn't there for him the way I should have been back then, maybe. Because it was just... It was tough. Because we were... Um, it's hard to explain. It's like we were both so... I was I was so angry at just life and just everything. It was a lot. Like, I... Didn't, I wasn't getting proper guidance. I was being more, it, was, it wasn't how it should have been. It was more like being regimented or something. There was no tactile feeling of family and love or care. It's, it's hard to explain something I've never really had. I'm trying right now, but it's like not going anywhere. But just no positive guiding influence that just saw me for who I was and knew where I I wanted to go or something like you know they weren't that they were more telling you how how you should live by their standard or their regard or like just a lot of bullshit fucking lectures and shit and 
my youngest brother, he was, he was young, you know, he was like, he's like five, six at the time, like really young. And he, he was just a fucking kid, you know, like a kid who lived in the country. He was like one of the only kids in his school who like lived within walking distance of the school. All the other kids lived out in the, the old boonies, you know, fucking butt fuck, whatever. So my brother just, he obviously just had a lot of excess energy just from not being able to do much. And I was some, like, I was a fucking teenager. I don't know. It's no excuse. I should have been a better brother. I'll say that. Not just, like, just for, like, the small things. Like, yeah, like, we watched movies and stuff together. You know, we'd play games. But I just wished I'd done it more because I spent a lot of time really fucked up about it. (laughs) Just beat myself up because you can't go back, and I don't know how to times change people change and after a while you can't even make it back i don't know it's too much changes and the landscape is just gone but you know we still had our fun times we loved a lot of the same stuff spider-man all that fun stuff but there's also just a lot of a lot of just like me and him against the world kind of moments where it was just like i don't know like them the, the foster parents scolding him just for being an energetic kid to like it got bad man like it's fucking got to the point where they were just trying out all these drugs on him and they it's like every time they'd start a new drug or some shit it would just give him a a new tick like like it's fucked up when your brother just has to like clear his throat constantly or he's just addicted to licking his lips to the point where his whole mouth is chapped like little ronald mcdonald it fucked me up and it just didn't it just made me so mad so i was there every time i was fucking there every time they were trying to get him in trouble or yelling at him and lecturing him i would just i would swoop right the fuck in i wasn't home a lot at that point because i just hated being there so much but i should have been there for him i know i should have been but i was all fucked up and selfish or something i don't know but should have been there more i'm sorry i wasn't but it gets to a point where you're just like, it's two lakes. We're just so far away now. Just don't know how to go back. But I always had his back, you know, best I could when I wasn't too fucking self-absorbed having my own stupid fucking back. I would I would have his times we would play around, just playing with toys, playing with action figures, playing video games. Or the time they told him if he wanted to eat with his hands, he could eat on the floor like a dog. So I just... Just got down on the floor right beside him and just fucking dug in, you know? And they took a picture of us for to cover their own ass, I guess. I don't know. It was just a weird, I don't know, you shouldn't feel like that where you're supposed to be calling home, you know? I'm just glad I stole so many fucking cigarettes from them. Fucking bastards. It really fucks me up when I just, I look back on stuff like that when I, uh, because I always wanted to be to him someone who I never really had, you know? And I feel like a lot of the time I just fucking failed. It's just like the cycle continues, you know? Because it's, it's really hard to build yourself up when you don't. You ain't got shit. <laughs> when you ain't fucking got shit. A builder cannot build the house unless he goes to the fucking supply store. So if you don't give the kid a fucking supply store, bitch, you failed the fucking project from the start. And that just brings me to this whole fucking, like, what's it all even, you know? Everyone's out here just living for their damn selves. Even when you think they're not, it's some half-assed jackrabbit round way of fucking 
patting themselves on the back or rubbing themselves off or whatever the fuck. When I moved out of that home, when I turned 18, I didn't see my brother again for a long time. That was my own fault. I just, I got so lost. I turned 18 and I moved in with my friend Sean at his mom's house and did that from about April till August because we moved to Kingston in August. And to be straight up, I don't even, I was just getting fucking high, trying to fucking suppress all my own bullshit. It was a weird phase, a weird time in life. I've been lost and kind of don't know if that's just how it was for the last 10 years, you know, because that was 10 years ago this year. It's a goddamn trip. I'm trying. I remember when they, when we were in that foster home with those people, my little brother, and they were trying to just deal with him, doping him up play therapy, all these things. Like, yeah, he was a rambunctious kid, and he liked attention, and he liked to, you know, crack jokes and all that. But they really... All those attributes, they really just started to burn them out of him, you know? Making him feel bad and stupid and wrong, and just... For just... For just being, you know? And I hate it, because I know that's exactly how it was for me <laughs> and you start to just let it happen you start to just let yourself change for them and they went as far as to just not allow him to see our mom anymore at all they said it would be better for him <laughs> if he just wasn't allowed and i don't know if you can understand what that's like but it's crazy <laughs> i remember i was there when they told him we both just got up and left like because we were powerless what the fuck we were powerless, you know? It was like, what could we do? There's nothing we could do. Like, they had literally all the fucking power. And they would make sure you knew that. Like, I would always sneak him stuff mom would give me to give to him. I would always sneak him the phone when I would be talking to her. So he would at least hear her voice and whatnot. But it was just like, it's fucked up. And I don't know why... I was only worried about saving myself when I left. Because I think it was a couple of years later, I started making effort again. You know, I got my head back on. Not back on, but somewhat on at least. just in some he was in a fucking facade foster home a facaster home facader home he was in not much like but along the same lines as how the whole premise of that broken hearts the hearts family story was it was all just this kind of image they created but then in the background it was all just rubber made bullshit 
a guy would um he loved it because they like traveled i guess because their kids were doing like sports motocross and bmx or some shit so my brother got to tag along and over time he got to have one of their old bikes and he got to do some racing too and he would come to kingston and um race on the track there and i would go and watch him me and my girlfriend at the time would go or whatever and we would go and watch him and i would get to see him and but there was just this vibe i'd get from these people that they were just pieces of shit like white trash fucking not like white trash white trash but white trash white trash the white trash that didn't think they were white trash the white trash that had a bit of money so they thought they were something but they're actually just super white trash you know and it was so bad there i'm hoping one day maybe he'll come on and talk about it but i'm not gonna force him into any shit like that but a whole bunch of shit went down the drama grew with them and grew with them between him and them to the point where they would have him locked out of the house when they were gone and just like shit i don't i can't i don't understand how you do it to a kid and basically he got like kicked out of their foster home or some shit and they kept all of his stuff like everything Everything he owned except for, like, a duffel bag of some clothes. They kept everything. Like, all the gifts I had given him. I went to my first Comic-Con and got him some shit and brought it back for him. Like, none of that. It was all just fucking... They kept it all. And the CA, the Children's Aid Society, the Child Welfare Agency of Ontario, or Belleville at the time, over that area, Highland Shores, CAS, um, basically because my what would he have been at the time fucking like somewhere uh 2013 he'd been maybe like 14 13 or 14 maybe and because he didn't have receipts for every single thing he owned they they let them keep it like it was like he said she said basically and they said all of his stuff was theirs or whatever the fuck and yeah it's just like when i say when i say for years i mean for years for years that bothered the fuck out of me that that just happened like i understand it was just like all things whatever the fuck but like man your shit means a lot to you like no matter who the fuck you are you know it's just like and she, like she just see him living out of one duffel bag you know it's just like it's just it's just crazy like how could i don't even know I just don't understand how that can sh- that shit can just. I just don't understand how that kind of get along. You can go on, you know. I uh, got a lot of fucked up shit. I got a lot of fucked up fucked up feelings still about just just about all of it. I found this letter one time in my memory. I had like this shoebox of like just a bunch of shit just from high school and all those times and all that old stuff. And uh, I found a letter in there that he written me a long time ago <laughs> when we were still in the foster home. And it was just this little boy, you know, who didn't really know. <laughs> he didn't know what was up. And he just wrote me this letter just asking me if I liked him. You know, it's, it's... And it was written with such an intensity, you know. It was like, it was like a grasping for like, I need you to like me. And I don't know if I wrote him back. I don't think I did. And I think he even said, please write back, you know. And, uh, that little boy ain't there anymore. So I don't know if I can write back to him, but I did like him a lot. And, uh, I didn't expect to get, uh, so emotional about this kind of stuff, but, um, 
see so much of myself in that kid, so just, just want to change the fucking cycle, you know? Just... Alright. Fuck. Love you, Brandon. Love you, kid. <laughs> so, yeah, sorry for getting fucking crazy sucked into my fucking emotions there, and, uh, little emo ending fucking... I've been your host, Nicholas Ridiculous. If uh, you or anyone you know has lived experience or any kind of connection or attachment to the child welfare system in any regard, please don't hesitate to have you or them get in touch. You can hit us up at thehurtcircus at gmail.com. You can hit me up on Instagram at Nicholas Ridiculous or on my website, www.nicholasridiculous.ca. And, uh, you know, watch your step out there, man. Life's a trip. Shit. Peace. Like, uh, you know, mental disturbances. And she was taken away.